Well, good morning, and it's such a great day to be in church today. And David said, he says, uh, This is the day that the Lord had made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We're so glad to have everybody here today, and those of you that are joining us uh, online, we're so glad that you are able to do so. It's a privilege to bring the Word of God into your homes, and we do encourage everyone to get prepared. Uh, the lessons we have been receiving quite recently deals with uh, worship and praise, and we want to enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praises. I know today is going to be a wonderful, wonderful day of worship. Uh, before we get into our worship, we like to remember those that are not well, uh, that uh, whether it's sickness or some other challenges they're faced with, we remember it in prayer. Uh, we want to thank God that Brother Beers is doing a lot better. And thanks to prayers, I remember Brother Philip in Florida and the other saints. We pray that God would reach down his hand by his mercy and his healing power and touch them. Those of us in our midst, I saw Sister Phillips walking in today, and we're glad to have her. I remember the days when when Sister Phillips would lead out in the dance with the sisters in the dance, vibrant. Times have changed. But you know what? Uh, even though she's taking her time walking right now, Paul and Silas were in prison. Their hands were in stock and their feet were in stock, but their mouth was still open. And so we are glad today that we are able, we have our hands and our feet and we have our health and strength, and we want to give God some vibrant worship and praise today. So why don't we at this time, let's uh, join in prayer. Remember those that are not well and pray that God give us a great service today. Let's all pray. Father, we thank you today for this wonderful opportunity that we have where we can gather together as your people to worship you, Lord, and to remember your kindness and your goodness and your mercies towards us. We pray, Father, for those that are not well today that you will reach down your hand, whatever the needs are in their lives. Father, you are in control of all things, and nothing can happen to any one of us outside of your divine plan and your will. But we pray for strength. We pray that you'll increase their faith and their trust and their confidence in you. Pray, Lord, that you'll give us a tremendous service today. Let your presence be in our midst, Father. Let our praises go up. Oh, God, acknowledging you in every way possible. And Father, we know that we can experience our healing and our deliverance and strength and direction from you today. Amen. Bless this service. We pray that you'll touch our pastor, Lord. Anoint him with the Holy Spirit and give him the inspiration that is needed to provide the direction and guidance to us. We ask it in your son's precious name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord.
Why don't you all stand and worship God today?
precious name, Lord. We bless your name. Well, glory, glory, glory. Amen. Praise the precious name of Jesus. Oh, we honor you today, Lord. We magnify your name, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, glory, glory. Amen. Please be seated. Praise the Lord. I thought that we could worship the Lord a little longer today. And so one of the things we have to do 
is even though we're online streaming or on the internet, we want to make sure that we do not hinder the spirit of a service because we've got a schedule. I don't have to preach. That's what I'm saying. I don't have to preach. Um, if the spirit is moving otherwise, we can just end up in worship and prayer and whatever. So we'll have to slowly get adjusted to this uh, blending the uh, streaming into a regular service. And so then we can worship God regularly. Anyhow, I'm glad to be in church today, and I'm glad to see so many of you out here today. And it's good to see all you living people in front of me here today. Um, I hate to pastor a church of spiritual zombies. The purpose of preaching has been so diluted over the years, and I made a statement not too long ago that preaching could be entertaining. Uh, the people come to that place in, in their life, Paul said, he made a statement, he says to Timothy, he says, preach the word. Good place to start. Uh, Paul's last letter, uh, 2 Timothy and chapter 4, and he writes and he makes a statement like this. He says, I charge thee therefore. Uh, what a strong statement. And don't use, Paul says he's got a thorn in the flesh. We should not use the thorn in the flesh to justify our weakness and says, well, I got a thorn in my flesh and it's called thiefing, stealing or something like that. No, we don't use the Bible characters and the examples of scripture to justify our rebellion. All right. As a matter of fact, before we even get into Timothy, uh, Paul says, he says, uh, such were some of you. He names a few. I've got it. I've got it uh, here in Second, in First Corinthians chapter six. Uh, Paul makes a statement like this. He says, "Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God?" He says, "Be not deceived, neither." And he's listing. This is one of the things I like about Paul and the way he writes. He writes and he does not say just one little sin. He lists a bunch of sins, right? And he makes a statement here. He says, know you not that the unrighteous, and that means anything that follows what he's saying here now is unrighteous, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators of any sort. Spiritual fornicators are literal fornicators. As long as you're fornicating, and whether spiritual or literal, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. You have to have that corrected and God to forgive you and deliver you from that. Amen. And he goes on, he says, fornicators nor idolaters. Spiritual idolatry today is a whole lot different than it was 2,000 years ago or 4,000 years ago, or as a matter of fact, 5,000 years ago. Uh, four or 5,000 years ago, when you see an idol coming into a house, it's a big one. What I'm telling you is that the world we're living in is a strange world, and there are principles that they operate by. If you feel the Holy Ghost is touching you, and when you look at the sign, uh, speed limit on the road, and it says 50 kilometers, 
And you say, well, I got a Holy Ghost. God will protect me. And you're doing a hundred. They need to jail you. You understand what I'm saying? There are principles that we live in Egypt that we must abide without disobeying God. You understand? I can give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. I'm a good citizen. Just got a video clip from Brother Antoine's church that showed police arresting, stopping and service and closing the church door. Uh, there were video. I didn't have time to look at the whole thing. But we live in an age where the beast never likes us, but we can hitch a ride sometimes on the beast. And that is why we're protected here today uh, in the society we're living in. But as children of God, our first allegiance is to follow God and to serve him. Uh, we're to serve God as long as the beast does not impose on us. If the beast, if this city, imposes on this church and they want to bring all kinds of people for me to for us to marry them in this church i'll shut the church and sell the building before i do such a thing you understand what i'm saying we would not compromise our moral values because the city wants us to do that we dance to the music to a certain extent uh, we render to caesar what belongs to caesar i believe in paying my tax uh, when it comes to the ending of the year, I don't fabricate receipts to get a discount on my tax. I take my proper receipts and I give to charity and the charitable receipts and I do a proper uh, Christian-like returns to the government. And they give me back a refund. And that is why I can, at the ending of the year, when I get my income tax, I can put $1,000 or $2,000 in the charge. No sweat. Um, so, like you think about the age we're living in, we've got a principle to follow by. And so I started by telling you that uh, there are men like Paul become an example to us, even though he's 2,000 years ahead of our time. And here in 1 Corinthians 13, he says like this, he says, Be not deceived, uh, neither fornicators nor idolaters, idolaters, idolatry today is a whole lot different than it was 2,000 years ago. You can have idols that you build up in your heart. Your a husband or wife could be an idol that stands higher than God in your life. Your education could be an idol. Uh, you could make your child an idol. A lot of people make their children idols, and that is why before their life is over, God allows their children to be corrupted because he wants to save them. Don't be responsible for putting someone that you love as an idol in your life, because if God is saving you, he'll remove your idols. Uh, he will contaminate what you have. And so never ever put your kids higher than you place God in your life. Never put your spouse higher than you place God in your life. I preach a gospel, and I started by telling you that the preaching has uh, three forms of preaching that I have listed. One, it's entertaining, and we look at the scripture just a minute here in 2 Timothy. Uh, entertaining, educating, or illuminating. Now, the one I like to preach to you is I like to be entertaining to a certain extent without making myself frivolous. 
I like to be educating to a certain extent, but one thing I have in mind is to be illuminating with the entertaining, the educating, the most important aspect is to get you to live for God, Amen. to walk in light. That is the most important thing. So when I'm giving you some information from Scripture, my basic purpose of doing that, or I make a little funny story, like I talk about Dixie Mall, and somebody says, why are you talking about Dixie Mall? Well, you ask Jesus, why you talk about a man planting seed in a field? And then I capture your mind, if I can, by giving you some scriptures. And then I hope by the time I'm done, or finished with the lesson, that you're influenced to live for God. And so Paul is telling you, and so we can't judge Paul, his thorn in the flesh was what? He condemns fornication. He condemns idolatry. He says adulterers are effeminate. Effeminate means a man that wants to act like a woman. All right? And he says, nor abuses of themselves with mankind. A man that's abusing himself with another man. Uh, there's all kinds of methods here. Paul is very blunt. And this is the gospel he preached. If Paul was living today, they'll jail him because they'll call him a man that preaches hate. Mm -hmm. And after a while, they'll de deem the Bible as hate literature. We're living in a sick society where moral values are lost. I posted something, those of you that follow me on Facebook, I uh, posted something this morning that's a credit to every woman mm -hmm. that conducts herself with virtue and, and, and modesty and sobriety. Yes, it gives women that position that we show you how much we need you in this life as long as you act like a woman. Uh, when you're acting like a man, you'll develop man manly habits. I was telling someone recently, you know, your clothes is very important. And your clothes speaks a lot. If I put runners on, I can't preach the gospel. It affects my mind. If I put runners on coming here with blue jeans, I can't preach the gospel. And that is why people that don't dress for the occasion, they conduct themselves uh, in disorder as far as God and his principles are concerned. Well, I'm meeting today with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Our God is a majestic God. And so we come to church dressed as children of God. I carry myself in society as much as I can, modestly. And we've got to understand the subtlety of the devil. When I was talking about praise last week, I said, you know, the devil would not stop praising people praising God in church, but he corrupt the songs we sing. If he can corrupt the songs and God moves away because we're singing corrupted doctrine in songs and the devil comes in, that's all the devil wants. If demonic activity can take a hold of the worship and it's the hips and the lips more than the spirit and commitment to God, we're in trouble. And that is why God has placed me on this planet at this time. That I can preach a gospel as long as I'm alive. Preach a gospel to challenge lives. And out of every hundred people that listen to me, if five pay attention to the details of what I say and incorporate it in their lives, that is successful. 
All right? And so went on to Paul here. Let me finish up here. You don't get carried away. With all, I love scripture. It says, neither thieves, uh, verse 10, neither thieves nor covetous. But you know, here we are. We are trying to worship God here. And when Sister Phillips heard that they stole, they stole the church equipment. Uh, she, she, uh, she might not even remember this. She said, we need to put electricity on the windows and the doors that when we leave and they touch it, uh, they'll get shocked. Sister Phillips, can you remember telling me that? She told me that. I said, well, in that case, if we're going to shock thieves, we've got to put some on the pews. Because you'd be surprised to know how many people rob God. Wouldn't that be something if we have automatic, if you rob God, poof, you get shocked, <laughs> you get a jolt. Uh, but, but, but thieves shall not enter into the kingdom of God. Right. Whether you take a, a gun and go rob the bank literally, or you rob God, or you rob your brothers and sisters, or you rob the church in some way that you're not committed and dedicated to the church, thieves shall not inherit. He says, nor drunkards, uh, thieves, covetous people are drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. He says, and such, Paul says, were some of us. He said, and such were some of us. I can't hear you. No, he didn't. He said, such were some of you. He did not include himself. You know, Paul included himself in a lot of things. But he says, such were some of you, not us. And this man that I have, that as a champion in my life, was a great man. And I honor Paul. And he might have died looking at all his churches, drifting away. But Paul was a man that I call my champion. And so when he was writing to Timothy, uh, to Timothy, in 2 Timothy, uh, he makes this statement here. He says, very strong. He says, for chapter 4, verse 1. He says, I charge thee. See, Paul was not teaching him theology and all this kinds of stuff. When Jesus told Peter, feed my... You remember when Peter, Jesus called him and give them barbecue and uh, he had that last encounter with them in the last chapter of John's Gospel? He says, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said, feed my giraffe. Did he say feed my giraffe? Feed my tigers. Now, the simplest thing to feed is sheep. He said, feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. And I'm hoping that when I stand behind this pulpit, I'm not complicating your mind with all kinds of ideas. Preaching should be very simple and straightforward. If you're a thief, I should say, don't steal. I shouldn't give you the history of stealing or the meaning of the word steal. I should just tell you, don't steal. If you're a liar, how difficult it is to say, stop lying. Aren't you glad the Ten Commandments was not complicated? Thou shalt not steal, period. 
And that's how it should be. And Paul said, he says to Timothy, he says, I charge you before God. Well, who are you to charge me? You're losing all your charge. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what you lose and what you don't have. Doesn't matter if you've got money or you don't have money. If God has called you to preach the gospel, then preach the gospel like God wants it preached. Whether anyone listen to you or they don't listen to you, preach the gospel. And everyone desirous of becoming a minister or being in the ministry should understand that you need a calling on your life. And Paul tells Timothy, he says, I charge thee therefore before God. And he addresses the Father here. And God the Father is to be honored above all things. There's God the Father and before the Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus will come back and judge the quick, that is the alive. Remember that word quick. Uh, the alive and those that are dead. When will they be judged? At his return, at his appearing and his kingdom. He says, preach the word. You see, the word is not just memorizing scripture. Jesus told the Pharisees, he says, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have life. Uh, hold your finger, Timothy, I'm coming back here. I'm already um, uh, way off. I feel, I feel, you know, I just feel like we're going in the right direction. Uh, Jesus, in John's gospel, chapter 5, uh, Jesus is having a debate with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were the doctors and lawyers. They were the elite of that time. Uh, you were a Pharisee. You were not a silly old person. No, you had some principles that you lived by. A Pharisee was not just a plain old hypocrite. No, Paul was a Pharisee. He says concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. He says, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisee, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He says, persecuting the church where zeal was concerned. <clears throat> this man was a good man. Pharisee, he was. But God needed to get the Pharisee, this apostate religion, and this religious religiosity out from him. And he needed to come down uh, to the point where he can live for God. He can rise every day and pray. Rise every day and seek God. Simple, 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 simple. Uh, he can come to the place where he does not steal, he does not lie, he does not fornicate, he does not do things that are contrary, but he lives for God. Very simple. Uh, Jesus was a simple person. It's not difficult to live for God. Uh, if our younger generation can avoid half the stuff they do on, on the internet uh, that is not uh, ordained by God and can start reading their Bibles, uh, some and studying the scripture some and praying some uh, we'd have a future when I look at the young people today uh, I'm very very broken hearted I'm sad at my heart uh, you know many and many a times I said I told sister Chandra this morning I sat down I'm ready to pray and uh, I'm, I'm there and there was this burden that came on me a burden that came on me. Um, uh, remember uh, kids that don't have a father. It, the burden came on me. Mm -hmm. I remember kids that are brought up with bad experiences. Burden came on me. 
uh, kids that felt like God did not like them. That burden came on me uh, because I never had that kind of a problem. I had a dad and I had a mom and I had brothers and sisters, but there are children today that did not have that. They have the world against them. Uh, when they have a parent, uh, they did not have a problem called a parent. Uh, they had a strong influence, and my dad was a strong influence in my life. And mom was a disciplinarian, a disciplinarian. There we go, disciplinarian. She was a strong believer in discipline. And you know what? She didn't know a lot, but she knew enough when we were doing wrong. You don't have to be a scientist, a rocket scientist, to know when you're living right and when you're not living right. And a lot of us parents that are 21st century parents are responsible for the ruin of our children. Uh, the time is, is dangerous, this time you're living in. Too much is moving into the lives of the children. If I had the power to snap my finger and eliminate every video game they have, I'll do that right away. As a matter of fact, that's one of the things, if the Lord sees me fit to govern a city in the coming kingdom, that they won't have any electronics governing them. You would have books that they'll read. They can read the Bible. Uh, they can read the law of God. And I'm telling Sister Chandri this morning, I was so burdened. And I shed many a tears for children that don't even know I pray for them. But you know, God has, I'm going to pray for you, but a child must make an effort to help themselves. They must seek after God too. My responsibility is to preach the word of God that will change your life. Because the age we're living in, nobody wants to live for God and obey God's word. And Paul says, preach the word. He says, oh, matter of fact, we're in John, right? Uh, John chapter 5, verse 39. Jesus is talking to these Pharisees here and the Sadducees. He says, you search the scriptures. The margin says, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have life. How many of us today think we have life and in reality we really know we don't? How many in religion today, Christian religion, think that it's just a hocus pocus and they'll be in the kingdom? But in reality, if you're honest with yourself, you know it's not so. How many of you today, you have a natural mask on, but in reality, you also have a spiritual mask on, masking your hypocrisy. How many of us? Maybe none of you, but I've got a little one. I don't want everybody to know everything about me, Brother Dan. I don't. There are some things God knows, and that's important. And I ask him about that all the time. When my foot slip, I repent. Because the Father is able to forgive me and help me again. And had it not been for his grace, I'd be lost. And so we, we, can't, we can't run away from the reality of who we are, but we must come to the place of understanding that there is a God that can save us. Yes, I wish the young people today would have that challenge in their lives that they can stand up I was telling J.J. last night, I said, one of these days, I want not Brother John and Brother Sam alone to talk. I wish one of them would come up and say, I have something to say. Can I say something? Mm -hmm. That's right. Yes, sir. Because I was there. I remember preaching my first sermon in a women's prayer meeting. 
I remember that. I was a young man, maybe 13, 14 years old. And the sister says, Brother Desmond, we want you to give a talk in our prayer meeting. And so I went and I got a book, a little magazine called Young Ambassador. And I read something and I try to get a message. And I, the title of my message that day, first message was being involved. I got it read, I studied, I prepared. This message was to last about 20, 25 minutes because the sisters are waiting. Got up there that day and it says, okay, brother Desmond will talk to us. My first preaching message. In about three to five minutes, it's done. <laughs> it's done. I said everything I had to say in three to five minutes. But you know what? I did. I did. And that was a start in my life. And I wish that God, and I pray, not wish, I pray that God would raise up responsible young men. Young men that can be responsible. You see me today, somebody says, you're very meticulous, you know. I was always meticulous. Well, I was brought up in a poor home, but I was always meticulous. I was careful how I live. I was careful how my clothes was. Two shirts and two pants in primary school, the neatest. In high school, while I was a school teacher, two, two blue shirts and two black trousers, the neatest. I was always meticulous. I did not slop things up. And so the Lord prepared me. And that's the kind of people that the Lord will use. Uh, your future is dependent on what you do with your life today. How you deal with your life today. How you build, make your bed. They used to say when I was growing up. Dad, he said, how you make your bed, you have to lie in it. How you make a bed of pebbles and rocks, you have to lie in that. And so today we can form, lay the foundation that we are building our lives on. And Paul tells Timothy, he says, uh, Jesus said to the, 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 the Pharisees here, he says, you search the scriptures, that's what they were doing. I am a doctor, Gamaliel, Dr. Caiaphas, Dr. Annas. And Jesus said, what are you doing? Searching the scripture, but not seeing reality? Having an education that does not trigger an illumination would never produce a lifestyle pleasing to God. You can get a degree in theology, but if it does not motivate you to live for God, then it's a waste of time. So whether it's entertaining or educating, if it's not illuminating, it's an effort in futility. Come on, children of God. You don't have to be a scientist to live for Jesus. He came as a simple individual. And he offers a salvation that's very simple and easy to receive. What's difficult in coming to the altar and say, Lord, I disobeyed you. Please forgive me. Every time you sin, repent. Every time you tell a lie, repent. It is, it will save you. Amen. That is why not only praying in the morning, but praying in the night is important. Lord, today I did not, you, in the morning you said, Lord, lead me not into temptation. In the evening you said, Lord, <clears throat> you were leading me, but I went contrary. 
Uh, could you please forgive me for all my transgressions? I should not have said that to that man that showed me a, a dirty finger. Oh, God, please help me. That person had pushed me from that line and, and wanted to take my place. Oh, God, I was angry. Lord, please forgive me. If you learn to let not the sun go down on your wrath, but you ask God to cleanse you, you stand a chance for tomorrow. But you keep on doing wrong without getting forgiveness, the problem wouldn't go away. The problem sometimes is given to you so you can get them knees down and get in, uh, humble enough to ask God for help daily, on a daily basis. Me praying for you would not be do cut any mustard with God. You being able to pray for yourself and making changes means a lot. But I will pray for you. But the will of God in your life is important. Amen. And so uh, Jesus said, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. They thought they had eternal life and they didn't. Let's talk about us. Do you think you have eternal life? And in reality, you know that your life has not changed. In reality, you know your heart is still full of corruption and sin and evil and lust and hatred and all kinds of worldliness. Do you still lust after that which the ungodly provides? All right? Are you all here? All right, let's go on. He says, and they testify of me. He says, the scriptures testify of me. And you didn't see that? And they'll be surprised to know that we can claim we can have all the mechanics of religion. And it can be pointing us in the right direction, but blind people don't see. I like Brother Joe writing when he writes and he puts some articles together and uh, he does a good job on that. Uh, ever so often, <clears throat> someone would respond negatively to what he writes. And I told Brother Joe, if you're on Facebook, people responding, whether you, they like you or not, uh, you have to like what they say. Whether you agree with them or not, you have to like what they say so they know that their, their comment is, is appreciated, whether negative or positive. If they're disgusting in their comment, block them. Don't write back dirty things to them. Be nice. You be the Christian. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, a public uh, uh, venue. It's something that we're dealing with, and we have to be the child of God and let the light shine. All right? And so <clears throat> the Pharisees tried their best, but they couldn't see. And so Paul tells Timothy here in First Timoth 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, he said in verse 2, sorry, he said, preach the word. Don't preach gimmicks. Don't preach theology. Don't preach just history. Don't just inform people. Preach the word. Hold your finger in 2 Timothy chapter 4. And turn forward with me now to Hebrews chapter, chapter 4 of Hebrews. Uh, you preach the word. What is about the word? Uh, the word is memorizing scripture and talking it. No, sir. The word is that which comes uh, when you stand and God inspires you. If I've got to read five books before I get up to preach that were written by people that has 90% of their doctrines wrong, but I think I need to get some information here and I'm going to quote them to you, then I'm blind 
and you will be following a blind leader and who makes you th who, what makes you think that you would see? All right? Blind leaders often have blind congregations. But seeing leaders also have congregations that are dull to their, in their hearing. Jesus told his disciples one time, he says, Oh, you fools and slow of heart. He told his own disciples that. He says, Oh, you fools and slow of heart. Uh, what's wrong with being blunt sometimes? Uh, we have to come to the place where we ask God to touch our eyes. Unless the Lord touched the spiritual, your spiritual understanding, my preaching would be in futility. But I'm hoping that God will touch your eyes and that you would live what I preach. Because that's the purpose. And Paul says, preach the word. And here in Hebrews, the uh, fourth chapter and verse 12. For the word, <clears throat> the word of God, the word is quick. That word quick means it's fresh, it's alive. It's, uh, it's active. It's not dead. It's not stale. The letter kill it. The letter scripture by itself, uh, without a touch of the Holy Ghost, is the letter and it will kill you. It will make you some sophisticated, apostate hypocrite. Same scripture that Jesus would read that brings life. And would make people want to kill him like Luke chapter 4 says. When Jesus stood up, he read the same scripture. He told the Pharisees they were reading. But they were reading with blinded eyes. They were being educated but not illuminated. And sometimes an entire congregation could be educated and not illuminated. When a congregation receives illumination, they live for God. It changes their life. A person starts to have a personal relationship with Christ. They pray and they connect with the Lord. Uh, Paul says here, he says, um, preach the word. Uh, it says here in, Phil in Hebrews, for the word of God is quick. It means it's alive. <clears throat> it's powerful. It's not some dead letter that you're reading. Now, I might read the same scripture. And I remember many a times I would read the scripture and quote the scripture when I, before I was a part of this beautiful fellowship. And I'd preach it just like the letter. Preach it. You know, you get some actions. A man, I could preach the prodigal son uh, so much. When I go out there in a crusade years ago as a young man, go out there and preach the prodigal son. Uh, preach about this woman with the issue of blood. And by the time I'm preaching there, I got everybody at the edge of their seat uh, because I'm dramatizing and I'm dramatizing and I'm saying she moved and she moved and everybody, oh, you know. I'm just playing on your emotions. I was a drama preacher for years. And so I tell you about this woman, and she almost touched, and somebody stepped on her, and she fell off, and she didn't give up. She kept on pressing. I said, come on, saints of God, you got to keep on pressing. Give us a song. And everybody started to press, and they all go home. They came dry, and they went home crisp. Because the flesh cannot please God. We don't need an education only. We need an illumination that would motivate our lives. Because the day we're living loves education. 
Paul says, preach the word, Timothy, be instant in season, out of season. He says, reprove, rebuke, re-exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Why? Because the time will come. That is today when people do not like you to tell them how to live. They like you to give you an education in the scripture. Praise the Lord. You know, when Jesus died and the drops of blood fell, angels came and collected it. And that's why the blood is available today. Our preacher, when COVID-19 started, uh, the, wor- the world's wealthiest preacher, I won't tell you who he is, but the world's wealthiest preacher, I listened to the man. He got up there in his pulpit, the wealthiest preacher in the world, got up there and he said in his pulpit, COVID, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. Be gone. And COVID stayed. Sometimes we can really make ourselves idiots in the pulpit. Unless God tells me, I don't want to do it. And I ask the Lord a lot of times, please tell me, and I don't hear nothing. It's when I get up and I feel some inspiration, then I know after the fact that the Lord might be doing something in my life. The time will come when people will not endure doctrines of holiness. Doctrines that tell them they need to pray. Did you pray today? Question. I'm talking to a Pentecostal congregation. I'm talking to a church in the body of Christ. Did you pray today? Don't answer. Because there might come a time when you can't answer. Because if you didn't, you need to get your life sorted out again. Did you pray yesterday? Did you read your Bible? What kind of Christian are you? Well, the time will come when people would not endure sound doctrine. But after their lust for good preaching and a good service and a jig and a move and a, a band playing and giving us goosebumps. You know what? I'll tell you something I never said before. I don't think I said it before. When I was small, growing up in Guyana, Sham. Every time they have a wedding house, you know, people go and they dance. They got something called matikor, right? People go and they dance before the wedding and all kinds of stuff. I never danced. Never did. I never liked dancing. Never, ever did. What kind of funny guy are you? Well, that's the way I am. When I look at dance halls with a man holding somebody else's wife and dancing, I think it's sick. So society don't please me. When I came into the body and we were dancing, that was a problem for me. Because I never believed in it, but I did it. Because, you know, everybody is doing it. And then the Lord broke my heel. Hear me say that? Not Satan. The Lord broke my heel. I don't give the devil credit for what he is not responsible for. And so my dancing got stopped. 
And so I become an observer. And I wouldn't tell you the rest. I had dreams that God led me by that dealt with the dancing concept. I have dreams that God led me by that dealt, dealt with the, the, the pagan religions that come out of Africa. Sometimes I can't even say what the Lord led me. Last night I had a dream concerning this church and some people associated with this church. And I believe there was something to the dream that I didn't tell anyone and I might never tell anyone. But I'm going to just ponder it in my heart and wait and see what will happen. And so, in Timothy, the time comes that the people will not endure that which is sound, but after their own lust for entertainment and a movement of the flesh, they will heap to themselves their own kind of teacher because the people have itching ears and they will turn away their ears from the truth. And because they will not have a love for the truth, God will send them. God Almighty, the creator of the universe, the father of all lights, the omnipotent God, the immutable God, the omniscient God, the omnipresent God will send them strong delusions that they believe a lie and be damned. My friends, I pray that God would never bring us to that position where we don't love reality. Today, as you listen to me, if you're a hypocrite to a certain extent, and you're a child of God to a certain extent, see that you're honest with yourself and talk to the Lord about it. it says, Lord, you know, I'm a hypocrite 10% or I'm a hypocrite 30%. Help me to be a less hypocrite this coming month and work on it and pray a little bit and ask God for help. And if you knock, it shall be open. If you seek, you will find God promises that. You need to come to the place and I need to come to the place of being honest. We need to love the truth so God does not give us over to fables and fictitious things. He says, verse 5, but watch, he says, and they will turn their ears from the truth and be turned unto fables. In one other scripture, Paul says, Jewish fables. May God help us in this assembly, as we move ahead, that we do not give ourselves over to fables and fantasies, but we come face to face with our reality. And we appreciate the word of God, which is quick and powerful. And I'm going to finish that scripture and close in this lesson here today. A quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. When the word of God is genuine and it hits a elect child of God, it reaches in. And I hope today that this word of God I'm preaching is reaching in to touch your prayer life, to touch your life that you're rebellious in, 
to touch your life that you don't like to read the Bible in. I hope that this word of God is reaching in and sharper than any two-edged sword, uh, reaching in, piercing even to dividing asunder of your soul and your spirit that it works into your life to bring a change and the joints and the marrows and a discerner of the thoughts and the very intents of the heart. That's what preaching should be, that it could reach on into your life and bring a change. May God help us. May God help us as a local church and whoever is following us online that we must understand that this word of God must be lived and not given just for our pleasure. May the spirit of God direct our lives and may God help us. Let us pray. Father, once again, you have never failed us. But Lord, I pray that this anointing that we feel, O oh God, to deliver this message would never leave us. Father, please never leave us. Please help us, O oh God, and jar us when we're in rebellion and contrary, we will live contrary to your will, Father, that we might submit ourselves to your will. Please, O oh God, save us. Save our younger generation, we pray. Save our young people, we pray. Save our older ones, O oh God. Save, save the elderly and the seniors, O oh Father. Save us, we pray. Save our church. Save our fellowship. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen and amen. Praise God.